I'm Colin. And I'm Megan. And this is Pet Sitter Sitter Confessional, Confessional, an open and honest discussion about life as a pet sitter. Hey guys, welcome to episode 83. We hope that you are having a great week so far. And if you aren't subscribed, please do so on your favorite podcast player. We are on Apple, iTunes, Spotify, Google, basically anywhere that you can subscribe to podcasts, we are there. You can also listen on our website at petsitterconfessional.com. I would also say that if you find any of our shows, our episodes helpful in any way, please share it with somebody who you know would benefit from listening to us. So today's episode is all about reviews. And we had started thinking about this topic a few weeks ago. And then last week on our Monday episode, I said that if we have earned it to go to Apple Podcasts and give us a rating and review. I did not specify (laughs) how many stars you should give us. So someone did go to Apple Podcasts and they gave us a one-star review. And they said that they were not a fan and it seems very eh. So we appreciate that feedback. We totally do. We ask for reviews and that's all part of, of growing. As Megan said, we had thought about having discussing the topic of reviews in a business. And then we got this review on our podcast. And so we said, you know what? We need to have this discussion and not just how to ask for them, but everything about reviews and why they are important. And how to deal with them personally and professionally. One of the first questions, I think it should be blatantly obvious, is uh, should you you have them? Should you seek out getting reviews? Obviously, the answer here is yes. It, (laughs) It increases your credibility within your market and makes you more marketable for potential clients. Mm -hmm. It allows people to see that you are legitimate and responsible enough to care for their pets. It also helps them to know whether you are a good fit for them. Think of it as marketing when you are not there to pitch yourself. Having reviews out there that speak to your character and how you run your business allows other people to see that and know whether you'll be a good fit or not. And then once you get a lot of reviews over a long period of time, it shows consistency within your business. That's really important to show that if you market yourself as being responsible and timely and a good communicator, if you have five, six years of reviews that say all of that, it really does show that, as Megan said, you are being consistent. They speak for your services so that you don't have to. Which is what we're all after. We're all after ways to market and get ourselves out there without us having to do all of the legwork. Right. So your business can still be growing and moving even when you're sleeping. Yep like Natasha said a few weeks ago. The next part is where do you put them? If you are asking for reviews for yourself and you're doing it in-house, you need to post them to your website. You can also encourage people to leave reviews on your Facebook business page, your Google My Business page, Yelp, and other local pages like Nextdoor, Facebook local groups. It can be really overwhelming to keep track of all of those places where someone could possibly leave a review or look for reviews. But the more places you are and the more places you have excellent reviews, the better. Doing some market research in your area to see where most people have reviews is a good idea so that you know where the most eyeballs are and you can funnel your clients to leave a review there. Yeah, so if in your area you see that most of the businesses have all of their reviews on uh, Google My Business, then you need to make sure you have that too because obviously that's where people are going, that's where people are looking. But don't discount people leaving reviews on your Facebook page. 
or I still really think having at least a subset of reviews displayed on your website is, again, a really great way to bring in some of that, that marketing aspect. A big part of reviews and something that a lot of people have trouble with and stress over is asking for them. If you're just starting out in this business, you can ask friends, maybe even some family, close family, those who have seen you work with animals is really important. Yeah, to write to write that review, again, maybe not speaking to a business side or anything like that, but speaking to your level of care and your professionalism your and, character. and some of those aspects first to get your foot in the door. And that'll help you gain traction and hopefully business. So as you grow and get clients, your reviews should be basically only from your clients. Mm-hmm. Again, increasing your legitimacy. So again, that that's still why they have that. And I, I think we, we are stressing this a lot because having reviews is just really important to your business, whether it's a rating or someone or a written comment, it really does help. So how, how do you end up asking for these? Well, you should be asking for them after every visit. It can be done either verbally or through a text or an automated electronic email. And just make it part of your procedure at the end of the stay. And that could be maybe a survey that somebody gets emailed where you ask how their experience was. And you can allow them to provide written feedback as well as ratings on a like zero to 10 scale for certain key elements that you want to know more about. Some of those elements could be timeliness, professionalism, communication, and your knowledge of care about the pets that you were caring for. And it's not, you're not asking for a mountain here. You're just asking for a few moments of their time. And again, it's automated. So you're not having to remember to do it or forget how to phrase it. But if you have software, this may already be done for you, but you could also create it in something like Google Forms or just have a very standard email survey. But if you're on a platform like Rover or WAG, uh, the client is automatically emailed this and you don't even know that it's being sent out and that asks them for a a rating and review for, for the care. So... How do you ask? In what manner do you ask? It can be something really simple. The simpler, the better. You don't need to go into why a review is good for your business, what it means to you, what they should include, anything like that. So something as, we really enjoyed watching Fido. He was such a great pup. We would appreciate a review on how we did. Thank you. And then include a link to where they can go fill that out or just have that right in text with wherever you you have sent that. We also wanted to talk about some ethics around asking for a review. Some people don't really enjoy asking and some people are perfectly fine with it. But we feel that you shouldn't pay for them or tell people what to say. Right. That gets a little tricky because some people will run giveaways based on who has left a review or not. Personally, though, we feel that we are not comfortable with that because it feels like you're kind of buying the review and you want your reviews to be genuine, whether they're good or bad. You just want them to be from real clients who have used you before and they're giving their honest feedback. Right. And you'll, you'll see this sometimes as far as um, please leave us a five star review. Well, what if you didn't earn a five star review? And what if the person doesn't feel like giving you a five star review? What if they have good criticism and good feedback to give, well, you're shutting the door on them and not allowing them to actually verbalize what they would like to see change. Honestly, though, of course, we all want five stars. Like nobody wants a three-star review on their business. <laughs> no, no. So it makes, at, at first blush, it makes sense to say, 
I know I did a good good job, so give me a five-star review. But they may have, again, feedback and good constructive things to tell you. So don't try and prime the pump with anything. Just ask, let us know how we did. And so you're asking nicely and kindly. And again, make sure that the client knows that a review is not contingent upon any future services or rendering of services while you are caring for their pup or their pet. Nothing is contingent upon the review. Whether they give one or not, that does not change how you're going to interact with that client. When it comes to clients, there are typically three kinds of people that leave reviews. There are some people who love writing and reviewing everything they experience and will do so every single time. Others, just by nature, will never leave a review at all, no matter what kind of experience they've had. And then the third kind is those that will only leave a review when they've had a bad experience. The most frustrating group of people is the middle group, the people who will never leave a review at all Mm -hmm. because they may love your service and appreciate what you do, but they just may never feel the need to write a review. No matter how much you ask, you could send all the prompts, all the face-to-face conversations, and they're just not going to do it. And this is why most reviews tend to be either five stars or one star. (laughs) It's not because of a lack of consistency of service or quality, but typically rather the character of the person leaving the review. And that's really important to remember when you are receiving reviews. People typically will either just immediately click five stars or, again, that last group that will only review when they have had a bad experience or they have perceived to have had a bad experience. So I am the kind of person that I don't give very many five stars. I I like reviewing. I enjoy reviewing. But I'm not an immediate five-star review. When it comes to five stars, it has to have blown me away to leave that kind of five stars, whether exceeded my expectations, gone above and beyond, or exceeded quality in some aspect. Uh, I just, I'm not a five-star. It takes a lot. I really reserve five stars for something way above and beyond. That's not a standard thing that I give. I typically either give one or five stars. (laughs) (laughs) I will definitely let them know if it's been a great experience. If it's been a bad experience, I will definitely let them know. So I think that's why when you go onto somebody's page, it'll either be awesome reviews or a few negative reviews. Right. I don't think very many people are in my boat where three stars is you did everything right. That's what was expected was a three star. And then you have to work your way up or lose stars going back down. So we've done all of these steps and you go to your Google My Business page and you've gotten a one star review. Now what do you do? Well, as we just talked about, some people will just never leave five stars. They may have had an excellent service. You may have been on time, professional, everything, but they'll leave you four stars. It's very frustrating, but keep in mind that four stars is better than two stars. It's better than one star. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. There there are just some people out there who will not give five stars. They would rather give four stars. And and so a lot of us talk about uh, we got a bad review or that's a bad review. Uh, I think there are a few categories that define what a bad review can be. Uh, I would say the first one is a bad review can mean that they misrepresent something that happened. So that's a bad. It speaks badly to about a service that you gave. It could also be that they don't articulate the service very well, or it's just poorly written. So it just looks bad. It reads poorly. It could be where they hated your service and 
everything about your business and just write the scathing, long screed against you personally. Uh, or it could just be something that's not very helpful. It doesn't tell you why they have that review, good or bad, and it doesn't help anybody choose your service over somebody else. Right. And that's kind of what happened with our podcast review. Yeah, They just they... said they're not a fan and it seems very eh. Like <laughs> that, that's not helpful. That doesn't tell other people why they should listen to our podcast or not listen to our podcast. It doesn't tell us how we can improve, how we can change things. So when dealing with those kind of reviews, I would say that the poorly written ones are something that you're just going to have to brush aside. We can't expect everybody to be a novelist and a well-written individual uh, and that those just going to have to set aside for for a moment. First thing you have to do when you get a bad review is breathe. It's okay. It happens to a lot of people. Happens to most people, actually. And a lot of people say that when they go onto a page and they see one one star review, it kind of legitimizes the business Mm. because you're not going to please everybody. So also don't jump to conclusions. Don't jump to assumptions or anger right away. And maybe even give yourself 10 minutes to just collect yourself before doing anything at all. Which is really hard because you immediately want to react. You immediately want to do something, reach out, make something change about that review. But you really should just sit and breathe for a few minutes before you act at all. Because we don't want to be acting out of of haste or frustration or anger when we respond or when we go on to the next step. You could also talk with someone before you do anything. And like you just said, make sure that you are not acting out of emotion with whatever you do. Remember, you can't please everyone all the time and you shouldn't. Some people will just leave bad reviews. So I would say that the most important part of getting a bad review is not that you got one, but how we respond. So let's say we've done the breathing, we've talked it out, now it's time to take action. What are some things that we can actually do for our business when we get a bad review? The first one is you could just ignore it. This likely won't look very good for your business, but it is an option. Yep. Depending on what kind of bad review it was, it may be a legitimate option. You may not want to deal with it, and and go down a rabbit hole. It may be a really touchy subject. There are many reasons why you would ignore it. And that's that's a valid thing to do in some cases. Sometimes it's the only option too. Like on our instance for Apple Podcasts, you can't respond to reviews. Right. We have no option to. It's just there. You could also try and get it removed. And we would only recommend removing a review if it was either left by someone who you didn't provide service to, or if it was factually inaccurate. If it was just a nasty review. And this can happen if someone had a grudge against you, doesn't even know you, or if, like I just said, they're just being mean. Right. And we, you've seen these reviews. I know I have too, of somebody, you're looking up a place to go eat or go a place to get new carpet. And there's three one-star reviews and they go on this long screed about how it was terrible. It was awful. It was no good. Very bad day, whatever. The business responds and say, Hey, we looked up your information and we don't have you on file as having ever been a customer here. So we appreciate this feedback, but uh, it you've, you've never been a customer here. Right. And that leads to the third option that you have is respond to it. So if somebody didn't use your services, if you've never cared for their pet before, you can respond with that and say, 
I have never had you as a client. That can be all you need to say, right? <laughs> you can just say, I looked you up in our system. We don't have any record of having rendered service to you, period, in a story, right? That's, that's all you need, would need to say. If someone is genuinely dissatisfied with the service you have provided, you can respond to that person. If something about the way the stay went or the walk was your fault, don't try to cover it up. Apologize and have a solution for how you have fixed it or are going to fix it. Right. Covering up, blame shifting just makes it worse. It ends up people pointing fingers at each other about it, about the situation. When you respond to the person, you should express concern over their experience. You should want to talk to them in person if you feel that's necessary. Getting into an online war with someone going back and forth is not helpful to your business. It's not helpful to your emotions. Mm -hmm. And you're likely not going to sway the person on the other end. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And thinking back to our conversation about having hard conversations, this can include one of them of discussing a bad review with somebody and trying to reach a solution. You can talk to them, maybe not in person if you feel if you feel unsafe, but definitely over the phone in a different situation, anything basically other than short text snippets online. Like we said in our customer service episode, the customer is not always right, but you do have to make sure you don't tell them that they are wrong. So don't use a public written reply to justify or explain what happened, what went wrong. Just keep it short and simple. You can't read tone over text. So try to be as kind as possible with your words and not be mean. That old saying, if you have to choose between being right and being kind, be kind. Always be kind. Just because you don't, quote unquote, like somebody as a person doesn't mean that they don't have value to give you as a business. It's like saying, I'm not going to value your criticism because I wouldn't go to you for advice. Just because somebody isn't an expert on something or somebody isn't particularly being kind or nice back to you doesn't mean that there isn't truth or there isn't something to learn and bring more value to you as a person or to your business. But if someone truly took the time out of their day to write you an unwarranted or nasty comment, that says more about them than it does you. Mm -hmm. So you need to have empathy for them. Ultimately, though, learn from the experience of having a bad review. Because at one point in your pet care career, it's likely to happen. Even if you have always had excellent stays and the clients have all been awesome, if you're in pet care long enough, you're likely to make somebody unhappy. That's just humans. That's how we are. So being prepared on how you will and won't handle it is very key. You could say something as simple as, thank you very much for your feedback. We value all feedback and take it into consideration to make our pet business a better business. Even difficult feedback or news that we don't want to hear helps us provide better service moving forward. And then offer a solution. So is there some way that we can make this better for you? How can we remedy this situation? You're being straightforward. You are validating them in the review that they gave. Again, part of that customer service aspect. And then you are giving a solution. You are giving them the opportunity to tell you what they would like to see done. You don't have to do that, but you can at least open that door and continue that conversation. See, we're not getting defensive. We're not denying anything. We're not going down that road. And we're not getting pulled into an online battle with this kind of statement. At the end of your statement, you can say, 
please email us here so we can have a more in-depth conversation. Something not to do when you get a bad review is begging for positive reviews to hide the negative review. We have all seen this. Somebody gets a one star, somebody gets a two star, and they immediately flood their social media or they call all their customers and they say, please go give me a five-star review so that my rating overall rating doesn't drop. And while internally this may be what we want to do, it does not look good for your business. Again, we want the reviews to be genuine and hopefully positive, but we don't want any fake reviews because people will see right through that. The most important part is not that you got the one-star review. It's what you did in response to it. That's going to speak to your character, how you run and operate your business, and how you personally receive feedback. The first step with dealing with it personally is recognizing that it's a process. So when you have a one-star review, you're going to go through a bunch of emotions because you're going to be angry that someone gave you a one-star review. You're going to be sad that your rating went down or that future customers will see this. You're going to have to process a lot. But it's necessary. Yeah, it's a necessary process. Focus on your good clients. Focus on your good reviews because you can't please everyone. And at some point, you're just going to have to let it go. As much as you may want to, don't dwell on it. If it's very nasty and unwarranted, you can apply for it to be removed. But if it's not going to be removed and it's just going to sit there, you have to kind of just move on from it at some point. It won't help you or your company to dwell on it. The wonderful thing about online reviews is that everybody can see your five-star ratings. The terrible thing about online reviews is that everybody can see the one-stars. We have to take both the good and the bad with this and know that and trust that your future clients will be able to see and recognize the difference in the kind of reviews that are being written about you and view your response to them. Right. I was just about to say, particularly if you responded in a professional and kind manner. Right. That that will speak volumes above and beyond that one-star review in, in your response. Each scenario is going to be different when they leave you a review based on the services that you provided, the individual feedback that they have. And so it's going to be a case by case basis on how you respond to the review and what comes about of it. But we just wanted to provide some general tips on reviews and how to respond to them appropriately. We didn't want to end this episode without also talking about what to do when someone leaves you an excellent review. Uh, Yep, good point. (laughs) (laughs) Because there are lots of them out there. So thank them. Be appreciative. Post it on social media and tag them. At the same time, though, don't get too high on the compliments because then you get too low on the insults. Mm -hmm. So just thank them, appreciate it, and also move on just like you would. Don't don't dwell and get yourself caught up in all the five stars that you have. They are awesome and they are wonderful and you should appreciate them. So I'm going to say it again. If you feel that we have earned it, please go leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. We appreciate all feedback and thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this today. And now for our pet business coach segment with Natasha O'Banion, where she is going to answer a listener question. So how do you know when it's time to hire and pay them so that you can still make money? And then I think a second part of this question is, how do you make sure you hire the right people? I would say right away, 
before, like basically when you get your business plan, you want to kind of have your end game going. So we all know that, you know, Rome wasn't built by ourselves and one person couldn't do it. So you should always look at your business the same way. Um, if I started tomorrow, for instance, okay, how many dogs can I realistically take on by myself? And I would even say that's only like a four to five dog situation. A lot of people take on like 10 to 20 before they even hire. But once you get like four dogs, you should be researching and thinking about adding someone almost immediately. And that's the best way that you're going to be able to scale right away. Because if you're out there doing all the man labor, you're not going to be growing your business. And if you're not growing it, you're not going to be in an option um, to step away. So I would say to think about hiring almost immediately. You can put your flyer out, put your ad out, um, start filtering different candidates. And that way you're not pressed. You're not pressed for time and say, oh goodness, I have too many clients now, or you know, I wanna take a day off. You're doing it in your own leisure time, which is nice. And then the second part to that question is, how do I hire the right people? Take a full glance at your audience. You know, you wanna know if you have mom and top pop type clients, if you have more you know, upscale clients, you want to take a gander at your full profile and look at yourself, what you want to, to represent your company and what that person looks like to you. Everyone runs a different business. Everyone has a different style. Um, but when you want to add your culture ad or someone that's going to complement your system, I know some people say they hire the opposite of them. They don't want to hire, you know, their duplicate which I love hiring the duplicates. I think they're great. <laughs> so, you know, you might want to think about what you need at that very moment um, because the first person you hire is someone who can actually replicate yourself and do it and, you know, kind of implement your vision and your business plan. And then the second person you hire is going to bring a little more creative aspect or the third person you hire is going to bring a little more business mind. So you want to look at like the recipe of what you're trying to accomplish. And then how do you balance hiring somebody and paying them and yet you still bringing in money for yourself? Great. So uh, let's think about like the very, very beginning. Most people already have a job. They have their own nine to five job typically before they decide to, you know, quit and go full blown into the pet care industry. I would say that's probably like 75% of people are already working in some capacity. That's the best scenario to be in because you're not stressed for time, you're not stressed for money. Um, I have a client that I'm coaching right now that has a full-time job and she asked me, she said, should I quit? I said, no, do not quit your day job. You're in the perfect position to hire someone <laughs> online and do all the work for you. She's like, really? I shouldn't quit? I say, no, stay right where you are, keep your benefits, hire someone else because now you're going to understand how to manage them from afar. You're going to understand what it looks like to not be the person running the show. And you'll have more confidence to see someone else can do the exact job that you don't need to personally, physically do. So that would be the perfect scenario is to stay at your job, hire someone else. You can, you can obviously use your own income you're making from your other income sources to do marketing, do more advertising. So you see how that works. You're not really pressed for money, you can make a lot more strategic moves. But if you are a person like myself who did go balls to the wall and just quit and took a sabbatical and then started their business, um, go ahead and take an assessment of your bills and what you have and what it's requiring you to pay. 
One thing I did is I downgraded everything. I was living in a penthouse apartment. I was driving a luxury vehicle. I got rid of all of that. Got to a very, very basic, basic apartment. I traded in my luxury vehicle for a Prius and I was living minimal. I knew what I wanted to do. I wanted to spend all my money in my business and I wanted to have the least overhead as possible. So if you can do the spring cleaning and sell what you can and what you don't need, you're going to feel much better about your spirit anyways, because you're decluttering. Um, but then you can start putting this income now into your staff and you don't require it for yourself any longer. And the same thing, almost 30 days later, if you're doing your marketing correctly, you get that money back. It's so funny. I look at my old life and I'm like, remember when I had to downgrade and sell everything? I got it all back now. <laughs> so it's just a temporary solution um, for a long-term gain. If you if you don't want to, you know, do venture capital or get any business or bank loans and you just want to, you know, build your bricks from yourself, that's the way to do it step by step. If you would like Natasha to be your pet business coach, head on over to startscalesale.com and Check out her services and you can use the code PSC20 for 15% off all that she offers. If you would like to call us and share your story, you can at 636-364-8260. Please join us next time for another episode. Thank you. Thank you.